Welcome to our co-hosted podcast. I'm Chuck Marple, your host, and I am here with my co-host, Karen. It's hot and humid here, Karen. How about you? Um, we're doing better. It cooled off a little for us, and it's been like almost cold at night in the lower 60s, so it's been kind of nice to have the windows open again. Yeah, you know, that that helps, and we're hoping it cools off again. Of course, we're going to Alaska pretty soon. That will hope to be cooler up there. I'm sure it will be. You know, last time we spent a lot of time talking about uh, January 6th and it leads up to it. But today we're going to have some different topics to talk about. Our first one shows that there's one party, still that same party in Washington, that puts politics over everything else. A month ago, a bill called the PACT Act, say that twice fast, passed the Senate in an overwhelming bipartisan fashion. Suddenly, two dozen or more GOP senators this week reversed course and killed it. Karen, as a veteran, can tell us a little more about this, why it sets, upsets veterans. So let me start with uh, the Middle East. One of the biggest uh, problems over there was exposure to toxins via burn pits that were pretty much universally across the AOR. They had them in Qatar. They had them in Iraq, Syria. Afghanistan. And it's not just being near them on the base. It's also flying over it. And any sort of exposure can cause respiratory problems like allergies, sinusitis, rhinitis, um, and then a, a lot of lung cancers and lung related cancers. And those have been consistent. They've found that consistently people exposed to burn pits, either through flying over it or being on a base where it is, have these things that happen to them. And so once you separate or retire from the military, you may be eligible for compensation from the, the Veterans Administration, the VA. The process to get that compensation is you have to supply your medical records. You have to supply any additional medical records since you've been out or you do anything that isn't, that's out off the base and not included in those records. You have to get those records. You have to prove that you have this condition. You have to prove that you did not have this condition when you joined. You have to show how many deployments you had and be able to prove that you actually were over there. The problem comes in when they'll they'll tell you oh well you had a cold that's noted here when you were in basic training so you were already susceptible to respiratory things and they would find ways in the past to deny you that compensation then they have a list of what's called presumptive conditions which sinusitis rhinitis and one other thing which i can't remember at the moment were added last year if it's presumptive all you have to do is prove you were over there and that, you, that, that, that the condition is in your records or you're diagnosed with it within 10 years of separating from the military. And they have a, I think the date was last year, like 10 years from that point. And hypothetically, theoretically, whatever you want to say, it, with it being presumptive, it should be easier to get compensation for it because they say you've deployed, you have this condition, boom, there you go. This is how it impacts your life. This is your percentage. So the PACT Act fixes the process a little bit. It lists all the lung cancers as presumptive. And it listed, I, I think it was 20 something conditions that would be considered presumptive for pretty much anybody that was over there in Afghanistan, Qatar, Iraq, Syria, or you flew over those regions. 
And so all you have to do is show that you have deployments and that you ha- you develop those conditions. The PACT Act not being approved means you have to continue to fight. For me, for example, when you retire or separate, you have one year to file your claim and it will backdate all the way to the day that you separated or retired. It took me until December when I retired in January to get everything together that I needed to get the diagnoses the military wouldn't give me because they want me healthy enough to stay in and fly and to make sure that everything is documented in a way that I can send in. I sent that in in December 22nd, I feel, or maybe even the 28th. It was right uh, right against the, the, the end of my time, but I wanted to take my time and get everything done right. I didn't hear anything until the end of January and that they were scheduling me for a hearing test. I went to the hearing test in early March and nothing happened. And that was after the hearing test canceled on me twice with a different provider. And then they sent me to the place I ended up going in early March. Nothing happened. And then 40 days later in April, everything populated. I had 11 different requests. I had to redo the hearing test with the same person at the same facility. And I had all these other exams that I had to go to, to prove again to another person that I actually had this and that it does impact my life. I did all of that and finished that by April 28th. And on April 28th, my claim transitioned to preparation for decision. And that is where I have sat till now. So for three months, I've been in preparation for decision, which means the system or a person has recommended recommended a rating and they're writing up the documents to me, for me to get that rating. With the PACT Act, if something's presumptive because of a deployment and you develop this list of things presumptive to that location, that deployment, whatever, the process is theoretically done within days. So what's happening Hmm. is people that have the lung cancers and that have all that are continuing to wait for it. They can't, you can't get any service with the VA for these conditions without a lot of work until your claim is settled. So people aren't getting the care that they should be getting. And as I understand it, and I'm not 100% on government budgeting and all of that, as I understand it, their problem is, is that the way that it's written and the way that it was written in June when they approved it is that the money is in the 300 something billion is in discretionary spending, which means it doesn't go through the appropriations process. They want it to go through the appropriations process. As somebody that depends on the annual budget in the military, I can tell you that that is painful. What that means is if the budget's not done on time, that the money that you are supposed to get, you don't, you get last year's amount. So if more veterans are added from say 2023 to 2024, the VA is unable to compensate them because they're getting last year's money. So either everybody loses and they get a reduced amount or the newer people, they aren't getting the care and the money that they need. And so they're claiming it's so the Democrats can just spend money freely. But I'll tell you, most veterans don't care. They just want to get medical care and get compensated for leaving their family, for going overseas, for doing the best mission they could. You know the risk of the mission itself. You know that you're flying over potentially hostile territory. We're assuming we're not going to get shot down. We're assuming we have air security because we did. We do. And 
to find out that burning trash is going to be what brings you down years after the missions is really upsetting. You know, where I was, we lived in mold infested rooms that nobody wanted to hear until somebody went and put it on social media and suddenly the government and the senators and the president were upset about it. It's been, it's been there for 10 years. We'd all been living in it getting worse. And it wasn't until people raised enough of a stink that they even cared about it. You know, that it's sad because veterans upset. Well, and, and it's sad that. because some people, um, like lung cancer, some of the other respiratory diseases and possibly heart disease from this, may very well die before they see any benefit from it. And I don't know about any kind of survivor's things. It probably isn't. But, you know, the government has has uh, a way of doing just that because it's cheaper for them. Back in, uh, before during World War II, in the very beginning, after the Pearl Harbor attack, the government, and it was the saddest thing and the most shameful thing that President Roosevelt did, FDR, was signed a Relocation Act for people of Japanese descent, including ones who had actually grown, born, born in America, grown up in America, and educated and had positions. And they were forced to sell their belongings and pennies for the dollar, businesses, homes, whatever, with the promise that their furniture and everything would be available when it came to be. Somebody stole all their furniture and sold it elsewhere. So they they lost out on that. And then finally, in like the 1980s, they came up with the point where, okay, we're going to pay compensation for them. Now we're talking about 40 years after, after the event. So the older people are already gone. And they, you had to be alive to get, it, to get it. It wasn't a survivor benefit or anything. You had to be alive to get it. But they said, we're not going to pay it for another 10 years. So in that 10 years, you had what? more and more people died. And wasn't it only, it was like 10000 or $15,000, far less than probably the value of losing years of your lives. Yeah, I don't know, remember the amounts on it, but it wasn't much. But the fact was that the money was supposed to be there for them, and they would not give it to them until later. But but the point of, of, of you know, of the two things in here, if you have the, uh, the contingency spending or the appropriated spending, I had not realized the difference, and then thank you for informing me is a danger on there because it's politics come in, come in to benefit on that. So again, what they're doing is they're not thinking about the, the people who really deserved that. And, and they're so, the, the Republican Party has said for years how pro-military they are. And one time they were. Yes. I mean, they really took care of they're, it. But they're they're the, the, pro-military and that they'll spend a lot of money to get you the things you need when you're at war and to send you to war. But they're not going to spend the money to give you what they owe you after they break you. Yeah. And we could say all things about the war that they decided to go on in, in uh, uh, when they invaded uh, Iraq. We won't go down that road because there's a lot of bad, uh, things, bad feelings about that on every side. On another topic, and boy, that was, I had a nice learning benefit from it, so thank you. Another topic, this week the former president hosted a Saudi-sponsored golf tournament that was opposed by the PGA. In fact, you were fined by the PGA and all kinds of hassles if you did, in fact, join that. And I think some people were literally kicked out of the PGA for it, the Professional Golfers Association. It was held at a golf course owned by the former president. We know how he loved and loves his golf courses. So what makes this bad is the course is just minutes away from where two planes crashed into the World Trade Center, killing just short of 3,000 people. 
And that also includes first responders who the Republicans love and everything else. Almost to a man, everyone who piloted those planes, hijacked and piloted those planes for some Saudi Arabia. It's bad optics for the former president to do that, no matter how you look at it. And, you know, the thing about it is, like, I, in no way do I believe that everybody from Saudi Arabia is a bad person or is a terrorist. It's it's the opposite. These are people that are trapped by their birth. You know, you 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 are born there. That's who you are. That it doesn't make you a bad person to be born from Saudi Arabia. But right. like you said, it's the optics, and the FBI released documents that said that the Saudi Arabian government did indeed fund part of the terrorist effort. They signed them up for flight schools. They were paying for that stuff. And whether or not they were doing it unintentionally or not knowingly, you know, like, well, yeah, we'll pay for some people to go to flight school. That will benefit us in Saudi Arabia. We can use those pilots here. I I don't know about that. But the fact of the matter is, is the FBI has proof that the terror attacks were at least partially funded by Saudi Arabia. And that's what makes this even worse. Because I feel a lot of the time that Trump was unaware of how things work. And he's never cared about the optics of things. And this definitely doesn't feel like putting America first. No, it you doesn't. Know, this is all about money. Another thing that I saw in the news about that today is this is like a, a PR win for Saudi Arabia to have it. And that's sad because we also gave them a little bit of a PR thing. And uh, even though President Biden did, in fact, call the prince on the Khashoggi murder, and the prince said, oh, I disagree, and he started trying to lay the blame on us for other things that have happened. But, you know, that that was kind of bad optics with the fist bump and everything with him. I wouldn't have done it, but then, of course, I'm not, not the president. Not that I'd want to be the president of the United States, particularly as it is today. But again, you know, you, you have these optics but, but that, that are bad. Think about it like this. When George Bush got sick, I think on seafood, and vomited under the table in Japan, that was a big gap. But what was he supposed to do? Like, vomit yeah. on his plate? Vomit under the table? And, and this is the same kind of thing. Like, if they're meeting, we, we don't, I 100% guarantee you, we don't know all the aspects of this meeting. We don't know what was going to be discussed. Mm-hmm. There's classification levels, and there's a lot of things that go on that we don't all need to know but what was he supposed to do was he supposed to snub him was he supposed to ignore him was he supposed to not go there well no matter what biden did he wouldn't win and and i feel like all politicians are sort of in that tight place when they meet foreign leaders we can have an issue with any country and how they're handling something but there's still like basic levels of decorum that you have to practice when you meet foreign leaders as a leader of a country. Yes, and and that was the problem that we had with the former president, that he would snub our allies and try to get close to, let's put it this way, people who were not our allies, as in Vladimir Putin. I mean, I think the worst optics were the way it once when he went to Europe and when I went, uh, he refused to go to the, the cemetery because it was raining. And supposedly his Secret Service, but I don't know about that. We could talk about the Secret Service and what they're, they're kind of screwed up lately. Too. But uh, he did that. But then he got 
and stood side by side with Putin and took his his view over the view of his entire national security uh, apparatus that said, ah, you know, Putin did interfere in the election. Well, of course, why would the former president want to say anything about that? Because he knows that one of the reasons he got elected was because of Russia's involvement with the emails and all those other things on there. Uh, the optics of the president's face, and I agree with you, you know, what, what do you do? Saudi Arabia is an ally. Do we want to maintain a good relationship for them? We don't necessarily need their oil anymore, but our allies in Europe do need a certain amount of that oil because they don't have and not, the supplies of oil. And not only that, that, they're in a strategic position for basing if we, mm-hmm. we have national security needs and need to be deployed over there. Right. I mean, there's no better placing for it. I mean, we've we've had different suppliers in Turkey. We need always agree with them, but we need those bases. We need the bases in certainly uh, Qatar. You know that you you, got, you and Brian both spent a lot of time in Qatar and in that area. So you know you're all about about that. So we need to look at who our allies are, but we also have to hold them accountable. And 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 this and and he did. You know he did. He talked to him and he talked to him firmly about it. And the guy said, well, you know, like any somewhat autocratic person that did that. But after all this bad news we've talked about and bad optics, let's look at something good. It's something some people would say when those miracles from on high. We had a different kind of surprise in the Senate this week. Senator Manchin of West Virginia came on board the bill called the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. Everybody's worried about the economics of inflation. If we can reduce inflation, reduce the deficit, and that's what's going to happen in this. It's going to make a historic down payment on deficit reduction to fight inflation. Invest in domestic energy production and manufacturing. And this includes uh, renewable energy as well. And reduce carbon emissions by roughly 40% by 2030, which is very close to what President Biden has been talking about. The bill will also finally allow Medicare to negotiate for prescription drug prices and extend the expanded Affordable Care Act program for three years through 2025. It is amazing of all these things. And I think the biggest amazing thing is that for once, Manchin showed that he was a Democrat and he followed, did this. Uh, he had said, which I've read, uh, he had indicated, and McConnell had believed him, that he wasn't going to support this. But then all of a sudden, after they passed one other thing on there, um, he came in and, uh, about uh, making chips in the country. He came out and said, well, I'm going to support this so they can do this through reconciliation, which permits them on a budget bill to pass without having to worry about the filibuster. They pass it with uh, a simple majority. If we look at this, the revenue raised from this is going to be $739 billion roughly. Part of it is there's a 15% corporate minimum tax, 15%. So all major corporations have to pay into this, which is going to raise 313 billion of it. They're going to be able to allow Medicare, for instance, to negotiate prescription prices, which is going to save $288 billion on the deficit. They're going to have the tax enforcement, particularly in the richer people, uh, they're going to give more money to the IRS to go out and get in. They expect to bring in $124 billion. 
and investments, they're going to put $433 billion into it still. With energy security, climate change, which we who are environmentalists really have been unhappy that he has not allowed us to get move forward. And they're going to extend the Affordable Care Act by $64 billion. So we're going to reduce the deficit by $300 billion, but we're also going to provide some more benefits. And in our climate change, with what we're going through, we need to do this. My only problem with it is that they define, and this has been my problem also with stimulus checks, is where they define the line for for people. And I saw something that said it doesn't impact households that make less than $400,000. There's a big difference between a household that makes $400,000 and one that makes $100,000 or $50,000. So I don't really like them cutting that off there. To me, somebody at that level is rich. They have a lot of money. They don't have to worry about money if they make $400,000 a year. Right. And so I would like to see that threshold come down a little more. If you're really talking oh, the, about protecting the middle class, that's not middle class. No, no. You're right. I, I, but uh, uh, it's easier to target billionaires. And the, the problem problem that we have, have too, with economics, and, and it, whether you're talking about minimum wage or you're talking about tax or anything else, it all depends on where you live. You choose where you live, but it's where you live. If you live in California or New York, Chicago, Boston, Washington, D.C., any of those really, really expensive cities, 400000 is is like 200000 in Columbus, Georgia, or less, you know, maybe 150000 So it's, it's difficult to, to, to say on that. But even, even in New York, 400000 is better than, the, than probably 90% of the people who live in those New York counties. Yes. Add, add, don't worry about Long Island. Some of Long Island is very wealthy, too, but... Certainly in, in all those counties, because there's got a lot of people who are making minimum wage and $15 even in the, as a minimum wage, which they don't all get. $15 in New York City is nothing. It's, it's the same thing nothing. right now in the in the Justin, Florida area. You know, the southeast is yeah. a little bit lower cost. But right now they don't have enough people working in fast food and all that. I know the summer has been better because there's high schoolers that are available to work fast food jobs, but a lot of fast food is not open till nine, 10 o'clock anymore down there because they don't have the people to keep it open. They, they're all paying 15 to $18 an hour and they still can't get enough people because you can't afford the $2,000 rent that there is on a very small home there. Yeah. When we first moved availability and everybody that owns a home is selling their home. So there's like a shortage of rental properties and there's also, they're too expensive what they do have. Yeah, and that's part of the problem. But when we first moved down here, you know, talking about time, we used to be able to get our hair cut at 8 o'clock. And then we went one day to get it for 8 o'clock, and they had sign out now. They don't open till 10 o'clock, and they're still looking for people. You know, and things have changed, and stores are opening later in many cases, too. The mall over here, Peachtree Mall doesn't open till 11 o'clock. A mall not opening till 11 o'clock seems a little strange to me, but... That's that's the way way it goes, you know. So we got a lot of things going on in the country now. You know, we've talked about two things that we're not very thrilled about, but we've also talked about one that that there is at least a start. Anything we can do to help our climate right now is really important. I mean, we took at take at places in in Las Vegas. The casinos were flooded. 
from a storm. And then at least 25 people are dead in Kentucky, in the in Kentucky mountains. Yeah. And, and let's face it, uh, the, those areas of Appalachia like that are talking about poverty. Talk about being, being, being stuck at the bottom. And one of the things I don't understand is how it happened uh, is that so many of those people were uh, damaged in the opioid crisis in those small small areas like that. I don't understand all the why, why it's so much different there. Other than maybe it's the work they do, they hurt their backs and things more that they've been given, things like fentanyl and the other op- opioids. But but it, it is, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's good to see it. You I, Excuse this. Cat. Hello there. Um, you also have um, doctors that figure out if somebody's on Medicaid, if that they can get insurance money, they can prescribe these things to help them. If somebody happens to have insurance for their job or whatever, and they do get hurt, and um, they 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 have a physical job, they get hurt, and this doctor can get insurance payments and get rich off of getting people addicted to opioids. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big reason why it happens in those types of areas. I, it's sad that the people who take that that job uh, to become doctors don't look at everything. But that, that's that's because we don't control big pharma either. I mean, they go out and, and advertise also, on it. I mean, go ahead. Like I was going to say, the problem is too that people that actually need the pain medication and on a temporary basis are treated like they're addicted and they can't get more than 10 tablets at a time, which is like the equivalent of three to four days, maybe, depending on what yeah. they've had done. Well, yeah, and, and so people that need it can't get it. People like in hospice, that it's not going to make a difference for them other than alleviate the pain. Uh, but uh, I have a, a friend down in uh, Florida, and she has has issues that she needs to take uh, uh, hydroxychloroquine there, and she had a hard time getting it after the former president really touted it, and other people around his orbit touted it as a treatment that it doesn't successfully treat COVID and never did. But she, they, she had a hard time getting it. And then the price was going up. But the biggest problem, she just couldn't get it. She could only get a small amount when she got it at all. And she needed that because she has, has a serious cases of RA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's unfortunate. It's the, it's the same thing too. Like different reasons, but people that are having trouble getting that drug that is considered banned in states that have banned abortion. You know, that is also used for RA and autoimmune conditions, and people yeah. are having a hard time getting that. Yeah, and then people automatically assume now that if women want that, then they want it for abortion reasons. They don't want it for their own health reasons, and nobody should have to do it. Give you an example how people can get screwed up by, by appearances rather than reality. My mother's best friend's husband had a brother in a place called Brownville, New York. Uh, my grandparents used to live near Brownville, New York. But they, they it was during World War II. Now, the older brother, Ted, went in the military and, and served, I think, in the Pacific as well as, as your grandfather, my father, did. But it might have been in Europe. I'm not sure at this point. But he had a younger brother who was deaf. But to see him, he looked completely normal. And people picked on him and said, why aren't you in uniform? Why aren't you out there fighting? We, we got relatives out there fighting and dying, but you're not. He had to leave town because he was deaf and appeared okay. 
I mean, if you talk to him, he probably could maybe tell, maybe they could, maybe they couldn't tell he was death. And nobody knows when he, I don't know if he went to death or if he was born death, but he was death. So he actually had to leave the area to keep from being bullied by people who thought he should be out there. So we, we have to look at appearances on these things too, because you can have things wrong with you and not appear to have things wrong with you. And that's why things right. like, like the abortion drugs, the drugs that can cause abortion, let's say abortion drug. We could go forever just talking about that one issue, about how the majority of states, 26 states, I believe, or more, have some type of law either in place or coming down the pike that's going to do that. And we've already had people come near death. One woman in Texas was forced to carry a dead fetus for two weeks in her body until it aborted on its own. And you don't know. And that, that 10-year-old crew. Some situations like that, that's somebody that really wanted that baby. That's not somebody that 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 didn't want the child, which either, either way, abortion, it doesn't matter. It's none of my business why anybody wants it. But to apply that, in a way that somebody that either had a miscarriage and didn't cause it, it just happened because it spontaneously happens often, or they have a baby with a deficiency or, or some sort of chromosomal issue that doesn't survive in utero, but to force a woman to carry that and, and call it an abortion, like like it, they're ripping a live baby out, it's not even what's going on here. Well, it's, it's like they, um, I was talking to me about this woman who had, was carrying a baby and it, it didn't have a heart and had all these other kinds of things on there. And it was just all kinds of really sad things that would not live, live for, for days, uh, even days. The first person I came across that ever had abortion was way back before you were born. I worked with her and she got married for the second time and she got pregnant. She was all excited about that. And then when they got into the point, they couldn't find a heartbeat. And they did find the heartbeat, but when they did the, the ultrasound and everything, they found that that fetus did not have any spinal column. It would not have lived even more than a few minutes after birth because everything would just crush down on it. Right. So, I mean, to, 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 to automatically assume that abortion is a matter of convenience is wrong. To automatically assume it, somebody didn't fight because of a matter of convenience is wrong. We tend to assume things about other people. Right. And it, it's, it's nobody's business what somebody else does wants to do with their body. Like one area of life that I really have done a lot of work in and gotten over some biases that I had was like, you know, like people that are in the sex trade and, you know, you treat that as like this, this moral failing or whatever. And then I got to thinking about it and it was like, well, if I'm, if I'm an engineer and I know I'm good at math, that's what I'm going to do. If I know that I like to build things, I'm going to go into construction. If somebody thinks that that's what their best qualities are and their best chance to make money, who are we to tell them that that's illegal? And so with that, it started, I started on that, a, a big road of what you do with your own body is your own business. And that is for everything, abortion, sex trade, whatever you want to do, it's just your business. Nobody else gets the right to tell you how you use your body. 
Yeah, and I'll, I'll close that out with, uh, close our discussion today out with, with one comment. And that is the people who want to control women's bodies, for the most part, are the same people who refuse to go out and get a vaccination, which has saved not only their lives, but many other the lives around them. It's using the same argument that people who want the right to do what they can own their own bodies when it comes to just them. I mean, we're just talking about women. It's their own bodies. And for these people, it was thousands of people could die and have died because so many people refused to get abortion. I mean, to get vaccinated. Because vaccinations were early on and masks early on, again, taken care of, saying, well, you can't tell me what to do with my own body. Well, you know, don't do this Hippocratic idea. You're, you're being a hypocrite. The hypocrisy is obvious today. I can't speak some today. And it just is it's very frustrating to me. Any final thoughts? Yeah, kind of going along with that, it also reminded me, remember when everybody was protesting with guns out in front of public government buildings because they wanted haircuts? Yeah. They were demanding that stylists, you know, put their bodies in danger of getting the virus because they felt their need for a haircut trumps huh, trumps their the stylist desire to stay safe now this is something that i have talked to my stylist a lot about if, if the stylist wants to work that's one thing but to demand that people go back to work for your benefit is the same thing it's it's trying to dictate what other people do with their bodies and their health it, it is sad on this and it's sad that we can't get somewhere but thankfully, we did have one good thing come out of the week with uh, Senator Manchin realizing that some good can be done on the climate. And that, that is was a surprise to Mitch McConnell, a surprise to many of the Republicans in there. And maybe we can get some more things accomplished in the next next few years. That said, thank you for listening. Thank you, Karen, for co-hosting again. I really enjoy having you here. And thank you for listening and or viewing our podcast. God bless you. God bless our great country, our freely elected leaders, and bless and protect our troops where they are. Good afternoon.